Mostly cloudy and two degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's nine o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Two teens charged with first-degree murder and the death of a Calgary police officer have appeared in court. Calgary police say the 17-year-old and 19-year-old accused will remain in custody until their bail hearing on Monday. The teens turned themselves in on Friday afternoon, less than 24 hours after Sergeant Andrew Harnett was killed during a traffic stop. Police have said Harnett was struck and dragged by an SUV he pulled over just before 11 p.m. on New Year's Eve. They say the investigation is ongoing and officers are grateful for an outpouring of support from the public. The police service notes that those wishing to express their grief and solidarity can participate in a blue campaign by tying blue ribbons on homes and throughout communities or displaying blue porch lights. More news in a moment, but first 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. Good road conditions and light volume is what we are dealing with across the city right now, but different story for your highways if you're heading out to the mountain parks on Highway 1 this morning. Expect winter driving conditions in both directions between Canmore and Lake Louise. Icy conditions and snow-covered roads continue west past that as well, so drive through with caution. Kiss 2020 goodbye and start 2021 right at Subaru's Unboxing Week event. Now until January 4th, hurry to get your $1,000 double bonus at your Subaru dealer. For the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Tia Yusin. The hashtag Resign Kenny made a trending appearance on Twitter yesterday. This came after the Premier did not lay consequences for members of the United Conservative government who travelled abroad over the holidays. At least seven party members and staffers have recently travelled outside of Canada And political analyst Janet Brown says she believes there is now even more backlash following the news conference Friday where Jason Kenney appeared to defend the travelling. If the Premier intended to do nothing yesterday, to just let these things slide, it escapes me why he had a press conference. Um, You know, he could have just issued a memo, people would have been upset. But it seems to me he took a bad situation and made it worse by having a press conference to say that he was going to do nothing. While there are no laws against travelling, the Canadian government recommends avoiding non-essential travel outside of the country. And the chief medical officer of health tweeted out the latest COVID figures from New Year's Day. An estimated 900 cases of the virus have been reported for January 1st. And with 12,700 tests administered, the province is sitting at a 7% test positivity rate. Dr. Dina Hinshaw also notes hospitalizations and ICU admissions are stable. Another update is expected this afternoon with new figures from January 2nd. COVID-19 took more than 77,000 American lives in December, the deadliest month the country has seen since the pandemic began. December was also America's most infectious month, with 6.4 million people contracting the virus. Sobering statistics as people trying to get potentially life-saving vaccines hit roadblocks. Global's Jennifer Johnson reports. In the United States, December has become the deadliest month since the COVID-19 pandemic began. More than 77,000 Americans lost their lives during a month that is traditionally marked by celebration. December was also the country's most infectious month. 6.4 million people contracted the virus. But health experts are predicting January may be worse. The death toll is predicted to hit 424,000 people in the next three weeks. Jennifer Johnson, Global News. Global News, Sky Tracker weather, a 30% chance of flurries today with a high of 4 degrees. Tonight, clearing with a low of minus 4. And tomorrow, a high of plus 2 with a mix of sun and cloud. 
And right now it's two degrees at 9.04. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 9.30. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. And I'm Merle Coombs. And it was almost gardening weather yesterday. Man, a lot of melt going on. Seen that uh, you could you could almost sit out and watch the snow banks just uh, shrink down. But all that good water is just nicely melting into the ground, building up our our groundwater, which is great. It's perfect for all the trees and shrubs and and all your perennials, just building that groundwater up. So we should have uh, a pretty good success rate on on trees and that that were planted the last couple of years. Hopefully, this lets. Uh, them get the water they need and uh, so next spring i guess this spring now because it is the new year happy new year to everybody and we're in 2021 we'll see what happens here it started out as a bit of a glad i didn't go anywhere <laughs> i'd be in trouble <laughs> uh well anyways probably not too funny but i guess uh we all uh i guess the airline guys are happy that people are still traveling because it keeps them going and and but we're going to be gardening here, and I actually have a great guest, uh, a guy who just found out about. He's in Saskatoon. His name's Jared Regeer. He's going to call me in. He's going to join me at nine thirty-five. He's an urban gardener, and he has a free course that he's starting up on on January twelfth, I believe. And we're going to talk about that a bit and sort of get his. Uh, he 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 started an urban garden, and he he sells these grow boxes and memberships and uh but he's going to have some good techniques about uh, growing veggies in our climate which saskatoon's fairly similar to here so a lot of it will be uh um just a, as applicable here in calgary as it as it is there if you want to check out his uh his uh website it's vegetable academy but he's going to be joining us live, and we're going to chat a little bit about what he's got going on and his business and how he got into it and uh, some great pictures and uh, some nice stuff growing um, in Saskatoon. And but this, and we chatted a little bit this morning just about it, and it's a commitment. And that's the thing um, when I see everybody coming in and wanting to buy seeds and I, and I hear them talk about seeds and and wanting to grow it's it's a commitment though it's a it's a every day every few day commitment where you got to get out and weed and feed and and nurture and uh, mulch over and uh, tie up cut back and all the things that uh, you can't just um seed it and forget it there's a couple things that you can do that with but for the most part it, it takes some work so that's where he's really found his business take off and uh, he he sells these memberships and people get a grow box I think once a week um delivered to their house and it's kind of a neat concept so he'll he'll tell us a little bit about that but it's in Saskatoon not here but uh it might get somebody motivated to start something like that here in Calgary anyways but really looking forward to chatting with uh, Jared at 9:35 about gardening and especially going into the new year, I, I know we've had a lot of people already coming in asking about seeds. We'll be fully stocked within the next week and a half with all the seeds and things and grower supplies. We're getting everything 
brought in here right away. So it's uh, <clears throat> we are closed this weekend. If you are wandering down to this to the garden center, um, we gave our team a few extra days off, and we shut the store down. We're going to reopen tomorrow. So just well deserved break for everybody. Just uh, wind down after the holiday and uh, Christmas and the and the spring that we had, which I. I can't believe it's already January. It's amazing how fast the time goes and and where we're at already and it's the 20 like January 3rd, 2021. But if you'd like to join me as well in the new year, I'd love to hear from you. Maybe chat about your uh, gardening resolutions or just any other resolutions that you might have. You can call me at 403-974-8255. Or 1-800-563-7770. That's if you're out of town. And those are both the talk and text lines. So if you'd like to give me a, a call and and uh, or just send me a text, either one would be great. But love to hear from you as it is a talk show, so it makes it a little better. Some things that we're going to really focus on at the Garden Center um, for this year's really just good functioning tools um back to basic gardening on some stuff um making sure there's lots of soil um the plants that you want to grow we're going to have a really good supply we're just really focusing on on everything that uh we were asked for this year and we were able to fulfill for the most part but it's it's going to be another busy gardening season for everybody here in calgary and which is great it's going to get a lot of people out and getting that vitamin D, which you need, which is, it's great for your for your body and great for keeping you healthy, and getting out and doing a little exercise in the gardening, which is which is great. And and with some advice, like when we're going to chat with Jared and uh, from our team down at the garden centers and any of the most of the local garden centers here in town, um, you're going to get lots of good advice and and uh, be able to grow all the veggies you need to to keep you sustained for. For the for the growing season, but one thing I always like to tell people is just start out small, like start out with four or five varieties. If you're first time, start out real small, like just get going, create some success. Start out with a like a ten by ten plot. Um, don't start with a whole backyard and a fifty by a hundred plot, because as you when we chat with Jared a little bit, we'll we'll discuss this. It's a it's a lot of work, and if you go away for two weeks to the lake. Chances are when you get back, your garden's not going to look as good as you as you think it should, and you'll wonder, why didn't I succeed with that? And if you put a lot of effort into it and you, you do plan on leaving, maybe just shrink it down or make sure you have a, the other arrangements made where you can ensure that you'll be looked after because it, it, is, it is a lot of work. So it makes you appreciate where all our veggies come from and uh, – it just, they just don't arrive in the back of a truck. They're they're growing in people's yards. They're growing on farms. Um, they're growing in greenhouses. So it, it's it's going to be an interesting year, and we'll see what happens with the COVID. But it's made a lot of people realize that we got to get back to basics on some stuff and ensure that we have a good, reliable food source, which I think Canada has done a pretty good job. And uh, a lot of our logistic companies and that have ensured that we were pretty well fed and uh, we're, we're not too much dire need. But it's always good to, if you're able to grow your own, be able to have 
that sustainable garden and uh, go out and pick some some free veggies out in your own backyard, which is uh, it's a pretty cool thing to, to be able to do. Another thing you want to do at this time of year is just uh, get out and take a look in the backyard with all this melt going on. The next few days look pretty warm here. If you have excess snow in one part of the yard and it's totally empty underneath your spruce trees, which I bet you probably getting there already because some of the big spruce trees have taken up all that snow already and and drank it. So if you if you have some excess snow and you want to get rid of it and you have some big spruce trees, what I just recommend is do some snow farming. Harvest that snow from one part, get a little wheelbarrow or, or something like that and take some snow from one end Throw it underneath all your trees and shrubs. Throw it up against the house on the along the foundation. If you have a real hot west or southwest uh, location, just eats the sun up in your trees and shrubs there. Don't have any moisture left. It's a good time to uh, film that. And also, if you have tender evergreens this week, it's still, I think, plus three or four today, plus five next couple of days. So if you want to apply any of the uh, wilt proof on if you have cowrie boxwoods or any of your cedars, things like that will definitely make a big difference and uh, help ensure our drying winds that we're going to get throughout the Chinooks. And the weather looks good right to the 17th. It's sort of the coldest day. I think it's minus five. So we're fairly fortunate. So let's take advantage of some of this stuff. And if you're getting lots of critters, um, around if you have newly planted trees and one thing I recommend is pull the snow away from the bark away from the trunk of your tree and that will because what happens is the mice get in there and they work it like a little uh, like a little car parkade and they'll just go along the bottom of the trunk and they'll chew all that tender bark off any of your newly planted trees even some older trees I've seen them get in there and they just chew the bark off and that will eventually just kill your tree. So what you want to do is just pull any of the high pile of snow from the trunk, leave it around the drip line, but don't pile it right on the trunk of of the trees that you have. And if you if you have it piled around there, if it's if it's still there in your backyard, just go outside, pull the snow away. Just be careful with the shovel that you don't uh, gouge the tree when you're shoveling the snow away. Just be careful, pull the snow away from your tree. And then that way, the mice and that won't be there and won't girdle your tree. And speaking of girdling, I better take a break for, for some commercials. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, your trusted full-service year-round garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And uh, chatted with a little bit with uh, Mark over the holidays as well. And uh, he's uh, pruning crews out doing all kinds of, of pruning jobs, which is nice. They're doing lots of deadwooding on spruce. And then also just cleaning up a bunch of the big mature uh, canopy trees that we have in and around Calgary. And uh, it's just, this is the great time of year when you can do those great big trees because there's uh, good access. You'll be able to see the whole structure of it. And uh, and it's a perfect time to do any of the pruning on those. 
and uh, get them tidied up for spring so all that good energy goes into new growth and you're not wasting it on on trying to make all that old stuff survive and all that uh, all that other fun stuff and i got a text here if you'd like to join me or or text 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770 is the is the text line if you'd like to send me any i got one here it says we had orange bumps on our Cantoni Aster, and it was killing them. We cut them off to the ground last year. When do we start spraying pure spray green, and how often? So typically what I would do as well is I would want to fertilize that that head. As soon as, it, as soon as you see a little bit of growth, then as soon as it warms up, early May, I would uh, get a soaker hose and lay it along the, on the base of your hedge and really give it a good watering and uh, just to get it going first thing in the spring, and then fertilize with a 20-20-20 every couple of weeks, um, just to get some really good growth happening. And you'll see it; it'll just take off. When it gets about six to eight inches high, is when you want to give it its first spray with the pure spray green. And if you do it once a week, should be good until about mid July. Um, just give it a quick spray. There's that time, and I'll, I'll try and mention it on the show here. Is when the when those when the when the hatch happens for the for the scale on the on the on the Tony asters as they they come into bloom, and a lot of the arborists around town they have a little hotline, a little insect blooming hotline that say when certain ones are hatching. Sort of like fly fishing, I guess, right? When you have the hatch on certain, the the fly fishermen around Calgary change their 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 cast, and they they change the the fly that they're using at certain times of the year, depending on the hatch. Same with the arborists; we they watch a lot of that here in Calgary to make sure that they're giving the appropriate um, spraying and treating the appropriate bugs at the right time, and not just spraying. Um, for the sake of spraying, I know there's some of those programs, and we don't we don't do that. I'm not a big advocate of just because it's uh, it's time to spray your things. It's your it's your monthly appointment. We just come and spray it. We we typically only do it is when it, when it's needed. We have a look, give it give your trees an assessment, and if they're well fed and well watered, your your trees and shrubs are going to survive really quite nicely. And, and they'll be able to fight off most of the bugs. And just following some of the the Facebook groups or some of the gardening questions we get in the store and online, a lot of it is just um, questions about just a, a, a leaf, a little dots on leaves. And, and in Calgary, it's very... Um, a very relative thing that happens all the time with our leaves. We don't have the most perfect conditions where our foliage is just going to stay perfect. We get drops in temperature. We get hail. We get heavy rain. We get, and some bugs come through. So your foliage is always going to get a little bit of marks on it, some spots here and there. But where you really want to get concerned is when you see whole things curling over or infested with kind of things. So that's, it's a different thing. So just uh, on, on a lot of it is this, if we concentrate on keeping our trees and shrubs um, fed properly 
Um, and we do the deep root fertilizing. And I know Mark is, uh, if you want to get booked for that in the springtime, they're, they're, they're taking bookings on, on the deep root fertilizer. It makes a big, big difference on your trees and shrubs. Just get, get the food down there nice and healthy into the root system. So when they, when they take off here in the spring, they have lots of nourishment and the right trace elements so they can, so they can grow properly. And then also just, just ensuring that they are pruned and, and, and just, looked after for the for the winter time is important to do that and as i mentioned before at 9:35 i have jared regeer he's going to join me he's from the gardening academy in in saskatoon or vegetable academy sorry and he's going to join me at uh, 9:35 and he's an urban farmer teacher and founder of the vegetable academy so we're going to chat about some of the things that he's done and how he's created his niche out there in uh, in Saskatoon. And I know we, we have a couple. We have Grow Calgary. I'll have to chat with them again. I haven't chatted with him for quite a while. And I know he's had to move around a couple times lately. So we'll, we'll maybe catch up with, with them at the, at the Grow Calgary and see how they're making out as well in January here. And if there's anything that you want us to cover, here on Let's Talk Gardening. If you want to send me a text or an email, whatever works for you, you can text me at 403-974-8255 and uh, I can look at getting any of the topics that you want to hear about or at Let's Talk Gardening at siugc.ca and I do get those emails directly and, and we can chat and then I can see if I can get any of that type of information on there for you. Um, one thing also that at this time of year, you want to evaluate your, your house plants and it's a really good opportunity to, once you get into January, the days are starting to get longer. It's a great time to, to transplant your, your house plants as they're in a low stress mode right now, because they're just kind of, they're just cooking along. They're not really growing really fast or nothing's going on. So for the most part, it's a, it's a great time to take a look at your plants and see if they're overgrowing in the pot, if they're top heavy. And that's mainly what I see is, and it becomes a cost issue. I think a lot of times is, is when people transplant, they just go into just not quite big enough pot. I always try to go a little bit wider with a wide mouth at the top and a little wider so that way they they stay fairly top they're not top heavy where they're tipping over and they're going to hold lots of moisture and ensuring that they have proper drain holes in them as well and and those are a couple of the things that that matter and ensuring that you have a good good drain tray underneath that's big enough if you do water it through it's able to hold the water that comes out of the bottom of the pot but right now I'm going to take a break for the news and some commercials and we get back we'll chat with jared you're listening to let's talk gardening on 770 chqr partly cloudy and two degrees in downtown calgary good morning from global news it's 9 30 i'm madeline debellis 37-year-old Calgary Police Sergeant Andrew Harnett is being remembered after he was killed on New Year's Eve while conducting a check stop. Two teenagers, 7 and 19 years old, turned themselves into police less than 24 hours after striking the sergeant and driving off. 
They are in custody and are facing first-degree murder charges. A bail hearing is to take place tomorrow. Alberta's chief medical officer of health reported an estimated 900 new cases of COVID-19 on January 1st in the province. Another update is expected this afternoon with new figures from January 2nd. And a deadly helicopter crash on New Year's Day in northwestern Alberta has killed four members of the same family. Two adults and two children died when the chopper went down in a farmer's field in Birch Hills County, about 500 kilometres northwest of Edmonton. The accident is being investigated. Today's high 4 degrees with a 30% chance of flurries. Tonight clearing with a low of minus 4. Tomorrow a high of plus 2 with a mix of sun and cloud. And right now it's 2 degrees. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 10 o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And i got a, a text or so I'm going to go through here. And says, good morning, Merle. I received a grow light for Christmas and want to start my tomatoes and peas early to have more successful crop. Could you please advise on to sex- successfully using a grow light? Um, I, w- I wouldn't start my peas um, inside too early. Um, they they do like that cool weather and the cool mornings and the, a little bit of cool soil to get going. So what I would do is I would hold off on that, but there's no reason why you can't uh, start your tomatoes if you want to start growing them inside, and and you can start a little bit early, and uh, and get them rolling. But right now I'm going to bring Jared on the line and uh, and we'll chat about lights and see if he uses that as well. But uh, Jared is from the Vegetable Academy in Saskatoon, and he's been doing this for, for over the past 10 years. So uh, good morning, Jared, and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. Good morning, Meryl. Thanks for having me. No, my pleasure, and uh, very impressive website, and uh, and looking through your, your Facebook page and stuff like that, and uh, very impressive-looking gardening and, and, and very successful. <laughs> You'd think you're in... Uh, in the mid-U.S., the way you're growing there, so it looks looks phenomenal. Oh, thank so, you. Um, I've just and, and we chatted a little bit, but I just maybe we can chat and sort of see how how did you get into this and what made you decide to I'm going to be a gardener for a living. Oh well, um, <laughs> that <laughs> probably started in uh, my first career was a high school teacher, and during that time working with high school students. I would eventually start a, a program that taught my students how to grow their own food and become citizens and and lead a more sustainable lifestyle. But the exposure I had just to kids drinking Slurpees at 9 a.m. in the morning was enough of a motivator for me to really recognize that there was a big problem with food in our culture and we needed to do a better job of teaching people how to connect with that food source again. And so when Absolutely. it came time for... Uh, um, a transition in my career, farming kind of seemed like a natural next step for me. I had come from farming blood, as most people do in Saskatchewan, although that was on a larger scale in our family history. I still kind of had this longing to have my hands in the dirt and have a practical influence on the sustainability of our community. So, yeah. It, it, and it feels good, though, doesn't it? Like when you have good soil going through your hands and you're, and you're out there working nice soil, it, it, it just feels good and oh uh, yeah <laughs> i it, likewise, and I'm, I'm likewise, sad. It, yeah go ahead go ahead 
I was going to say go it's equally devastating when things don't go as well, too. So <laughs> I've been on both sides of those spectrums, and I know how satisfying it is now, fortunately, to be on the other side of that learning curve and, and just to feel that satisfaction of having invested in your crops and having like that dependable production that you can count on. Yeah, so... And then Absolutely. just to finish the, finish the day with, like, dirty hands, dirt under your fingernails, and just have a great shower. Like, those are some of the greatest treats in life, in my opinion, so... No, absolutely, yeah. and I'm I'm sad that the education uh, uh, lost you, the 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 school system lost you, but I guess they get to share and uh, in you and all of Saskatoon now, and uh, and what you're doing, and you and you you're offering, and and it's kind of neat that you're a, you're a teacher and you're you're continuing on that, and you and you and you're you're doing a workshop coming up. Maybe tell us a yeah. little bit about that. I'm pretty excited for this. Um, I guess over the last year, I've started working with some members on a closer scale, doing some live trainings every month um, throughout the growing season. And we're notching that up to the next level this winter by starting things off with a planning blitz. Um, This is just going to be free for everyone that wants to participate. I recognize that there's a big gap in in knowledge between what I learned as a commercial grower growing for our small urban farm and what people generally understand as a backyard home grower themselves. And I want to help bridge that gap because people are just, I learned in the years that I was farming here in the city, our plots would just be on on the boulevards and in backyards and people could see what we were doing. And yep. I would almost have to budget time for answering questions because every second person that walked by would have a question about their tomatoes or their cabbage in their backyard. And that was that was really satisfying for me to be able to help people that way. So I kind of birthed the Vegetable Academy and inspired me to get that online community started and now we're just making it more official by really organizing um, some online live trainings for people all across Canada and we're starting things and, off with this garden planning blitz where we're going to focus on making a really solid plan. Uh, absolutely. With, and then, yeah. J- Jared, are you guys zone three in Saskatoon or are you zone yep. four or zone three? So you're similar to Calgary and and that's one thing. There's not a lot of publications and and growing literature out there for our area, not specifically. But and a lot of the exactly, stuff works yeah. everywhere. But definitely, it's a little tougher growing in a zone three um, compared to just a little ways west for us. If you go to Kelowna or even just over the mountains a bit, it, it just changes so much. Um, when you're dealing with what we're dealing with um, in Western sort of Canada within that circumference of that five, 600 kilometers, yeah, yeah. Calgary, Saskatoon, like down south a bit, then up to Edmonton. It's a, it's a unique growing area. Definitely. And one of the things or one of the responsibilities we have as growers is kind of becoming the master of our own domain eventually through our own note-taking and observations. But we can accelerate that by connecting with growers that are growing in the same area already. So that's one of the things that's going to be fun about this workshop is that primarily we're attracting people in our own growing climate. So we'll be able to connect with other growers that are experiencing those same challenges of those cold nights in spring and early frosts in fall. No, absolutely. And we get that a lot in the garden center. We get a lot of people that have migrated into Calgary and a lot of people actually from England have, have chosen to go to Calgary for, for whatever reason, or Okotoks, which is just south of, of Calgary. And they just want to learn gardening because they've come from an area 
where it's a little bit different, right? Like then yeah. where you where you cut all your perennials back and do all that, everything's neat and tidy. Where in Calgary and and in Saskatoon, it's it's a little different type of gardening, and uh, and where where you start with, and it's not just grab a bunch of seeds, throw them in the ground, and uh, go harvest them in in September. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a bit are, of a commitment. Yeah, it's a commitment, and there are some certain strategies that really can work to our advantage if we if we put them into play for extending our season. Like we, with our our farm production, we've learned how to spread out our production, like our harvest window starting as early as June and going into the end of October, whereas most home growers here in Saskatoon in our climate would plant a garden at the end of May, May long weekend maybe, and start harvesting in August, maybe finish up early September. And there's so much more food to be gained from your growing space if you learn the techniques that we're using to spread that harvest out and by starting earlier and continuing later. So Yeah, and do you do up. multiple sowings of certain crops? Yes, 100%. And that, where it's not just... You just not one and done. There's there's things. So what what kind of things do you find that you can do? Maybe two or three crops. Uh the the list is pretty long. Uh, lettuce, like all all sorts of greens, can do multiple crops this season. Um, even we've even done two crops of carrots. Believe it or not, in the same bed in the same growing season in Saskatoon, which nice. sound, may sound unbelievable to a lot of people, but if you understand the science and the methods that are necessary to, to make that kind of stuff work and understand what the seeds need, you can actually accomplish some pretty amazing stuff. Um, awesome. But yeah, as much as possible, we're trying to relay a growing space from one crop to another so that we can grow more on less less land. Okay. I'm going to just take a quick break, and when we come back, Jared, we can maybe just let people know on how they can sign up for this course and and uh, and listen in, I th- and I think it's on the 12th, but I'm just going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm joined by Jared Regeer, and he's with the Vegetable Academy out of Saskatoon. And uh, he has definitely got a gardening planning blitz going there, as he states on his on his page. So, Jared, maybe want to just maybe let our listeners know if they want to uh, get into and uh, sign up for your for your free course on on the gardening workshop. It's a live sure. four part workshop. How how can they go about that? Well, this is a a course that I'm offering for our classroom members. So it's a bit of an insider scoop here that I'm giving you today. What you need to do is either be registered for our classroom, and you'll see a button there where you can sign up for the classroom. And once you're inside, you can sign up for the Blitz that's coming up. But there's also a more fun way to get an invitation for the Blitz, and that would be to head to our website at vegetableacademy.com and take the quiz. Since a lot of people get into starting a vegetable garden and maybe fail to ask some of the more more important questions about um, what's going to make this garden a good fit for them. I've created a quiz to help people ask those questions so that they kind of set on a course for growing a garden that's going to work really well with their lifestyle. Because there are a lot of different types of vegetable gardens that you can grow, and they should really be as unique as as the gardeners themselves. So I encourage you just to go try that quiz. You're going to get a 
a specific recommendation for the best type of garden that'll work well with your lifestyle and the space and the time commitment that you're able to offer for growing food. And at the end of that quiz, you'll also get an invitation to join us for the planning blitz too. So that's probably the the funnest way to get yourself into the the planning blitz. And that's at thevegetableacademy.com. Yep. If you head to that main page there, you'll see the, uh, the quiz link right on the first page. I, and I like that because – and I know we chatted a little bit before as well, and I, I get a lot of people coming into the garden centers their first time, and they grab 500 packs of seeds, and they're they're ready. Like they have the basket, and they have soil. They got everything they need. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, have you done this before? And I just – I really want them to slow down a bit and 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 start – yeah, exactly. Figure, ask why am I growing this stuff? Am I going to eat this much kohlrabi? Like you have enough there for 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 a whole village? Like just <laughs> slow down a bit. Some of you're growing it for yourself, and and get the success and start out with some easy stuff first, right? And yeah, because because then it's more fun. It's just like anything in life. If you fail instantly, chances are. You'll just you'll just move on, and you'll just go back to to grabbing your stuff at the grocery store or signing up for your grow box that gets delivered to their house, and, and which is fine as well. But if they're wanting to grow, like the the success is is so much better. And I loved what you said about the kids, and I find that's that's a huge thing. Um, we were fortunate enough to be part of uh, at our culinary college here up at Sate. Um, they built a culinary garden outside the college. Okay. So Wonderful. they, yeah, so they could teach. And the thought process was um, from Andrew is that he wanted the, the culinary students to know where the food came from. It just wasn't the the truck that backs up to the back of the restaurant. He wanted them to be and go out there and see where the carrots, how things grow and, and be part of it and sort of bring them a little bit more in touch with the food that they're going to prepare and grow and similar mm-hmm. to what you were saying. So I, I, I love that part of it. And uh and being part of of something like that with kids, it's it's always um, great. My my son and, and daughter both still have a love for for tomatoes because we always grew them on the deck. And this they go out and just grab tomatoes and eat them off the plant, and then exactly, it's, it's, yeah. it just tastes so much better as well. So like you were saying, when they when they sign up for your grow box, they're getting a a high quality produce. Um, and do you when and, and and just to touch on that a little bit. Um, with your grow boxes, how often do they do they get those? Like, or or how does that program work? Um, yeah, well, with our farm, we offered weekly boxes of vegetables throughout the growing season, and those boxes started as early as the beginning of June and went to the end of October in, at their latest. So, oh wow, so pretty pretty long season of harvest here that we okay. can pull off with yeah good techniques. And that's that's something else we can chat about. So. Um, and with this course that uh, people can sign up for, I, I see the four parts. You got reclaiming your food. So what is that? So we're going to start by talking about the excitement of, of reclaiming your food, the what that entails for your household um, food expenses and just the quality of food that you'll be able to enjoy as a family. But most importantly, okay. in that first session, we're going to help people define the best type of garden for them that they're heading off okay. in the right direction. Awesome. And then setting the stage? Setting the stage, we are going to talk about planning. So we're going to take that motivation that they've got from the first session and turn that into a concrete plan, getting some stuff on paper, um, crunching some numbers, 
I've got some calculating tools that I've developed based on our yield statistics over the last few years here so that people can get some specific numbers and figure out how much space they need to devote to each of their crops, for example. Okay, and then I like the plane to win part three. In that session, we're going to focus on the variables that we need to control in order to get performance that's consistent. Um, in a lot of cases, these are simple variables, but they're often overlooked when people get distracted by new fertilizers on the market uh, and something they just saw in one video on YouTube. Or, uh, but if we get down to the fundamentals, like taking care of our soil, irrigation, planting temperatures, and give the plants what they really need, we can control the variables to get consistent production every year. Okay. So we'll show people the tools that we use to do that. Nice. And then part four, you have the growing cycle. And that one, we're going to address the overwhelm because when you're new with growing your own food, there is so much to learn, so much technology <laughs> that could potentially Absolutely. be involved with your garden. So I've created a, a growing cycle document or like kind of more like a problem solver tool that helps people focus their attention on on the most important factors for them each season in each part of the growing cycle. So starting with um, surveying the land, it will will go diagnose some of their problems there and address the biggest concern with surveying the land and then do that for each of the stages right through planting, growing, harvesting, storing their food and, and eating it in the end. So, Okay, and then this, this workshop starts... This workshop starts on January 14th, which is next Thursday already. So, Okay, and what, what time of the day are you doing it? Is it? We're doing these in the evening at 7 p.m. in our time, so that'll be an hour different for you guys in Calgary. Yeah. Um, but that works well for most people since they're, they've got day jobs and it's dark at night here, so what better to do than talk about vegetable gardens in the evening in winter? <laughs> Absolutely. And, we're, and we're, most people are still locked up. I don't know if you, if you guys are in lockdown in Saskatchewan, yeah, yeah. but but we're still, for most people, are they're asked to work at home and uh, if they can, and there's a lot of people bunkered down. So this is a great way to, to change the subject from uh, from COVID to some great growing, which is, which is an awesome thing. So anyways, I just want to say thank you so much, Jared, for joining me. And uh, I look forward and we'll definitely touch base. I know this was a little bit impromptu. And uh, we'll get together and we'll we'll chat some more and try and get you back on here a few more times throughout the season and uh, and share your wealth and your passion for gardening. And if you want to check it out, go to thevegetableacademy.com and you can see all the great work that Jared is is doing there in Saskatoon. So thank you so much again, Jared. You're welcome, Merrill. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, and I got to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm going to go right to the phone line and chat with David. Good morning, David. Um, I've got kind of a strange problem. Okay. I've got a couple amaryllis. I uh, gave them a good rest. I brought them up in November. One didn't quite make the bloom for Christmas, but it's got four big flowers on it right now. The other oh, nice. one is just sitting there. The bulb is solid, but uh, absolutely no leaf growth, no nothing on it. Are you doing it in soil or the water? It's in soil. Okay. Yeah, it bloomed, I, uh, it bloomed last year. Okay, and, the, and it still feels nice and firm? Yeah. 
Okay. What the only thing I'd recommend is is maybe just, and I'm not sure how often you're water, but maybe just give it a a good so give it a really good watering. Yeah. And then just stick it in a bright window. I I've got it. Yeah, I've been keeping it moist where it okay. is, and I'm just wondering if I took it down for a rejuve cold cycle again, would it? Uh, how long did you have it? it yeah, how long did you have it in there for? Um, I think, gosh, I'm just trying to think here. Oh, it would have been a couple months. Okay. You should be fine, but maybe not quite enough. Ah. Um, yeah, maybe take it down, put it down for maybe a couple more months and have it come up for Easter and do an Easter amaryllis. That's what I was wondering, whether it would come back, yeah. Yeah, get, as long as it's nice and firm and if you let it just dry out now. Yeah. Um. And then and go from there, yeah. And then give it a try again in uh, for for Easter. All right. All righty. Might give that a run. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Thank you very All right, much. Thanks. Okay. All right. Happy New Year. Thanks, David. Bye bye. All right. And I need to take a break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Partly cloudy and two degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's ten o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Calgary Police Sergeant Andrew Harnett is the 12th officer to join a somber list of members killed in line of duty following a New Year's Eve hit and run. Global's Courtney Davidson has more. Harnett was conducting a New Year's Eve traffic stop when he was struck by an SUV that police say was fleeing the scene in the area of Falcon Ridge Boulevard and Falcon Ridge Drive Northeast. Harnett was struck and dragged by the SUV he pulled over just before 11 p.m. Despite attempts from fellow officers and members of EMS, he died as a result of his injuries. Two teens charged with first-degree murder have appeared in court. Calgary police say the 17- and 19-year-old accused will remain in custody until their bail hearing on Monday. The teens turned themselves in on Friday, less than 24 hours after Sergeant Harnett was killed. The police service says those wishing to express their grief and solidarity can participate in a blue campaign by tying blue ribbons on homes and throughout communities or displaying blue porch lights. Harnett is the first Calgary Police Service officer to die in the line of duty in more than 19 years. Courtney Davidson, Global News. There was a heavy police presence in the Copperfield community around noon yesterday. Police were called for reports of a, of a man seen walking in the area with a firearm. He entered his residence nearby and was believed to be in crisis. Officers worked to ensure the safety of the man and the public. The incident has been resolved without any further danger to the public. The man is now in custody. And there is sadness in a tight-knit northwestern Alberta community after a deadly helicopter crash. Four members of the same family, two adults and two children under the age of 18, perished when the chopper went down in a farmer's field in Spirit River New Year's Day evening. Officers responding to an emergency beacon found the wreckage with no survivors. Our members attended, uh, located the crash site in the farmer's field and located the four individuals of the helicopter uh, and confirmed all four were deceased. RCMP Sergeant Sean French says referring to COVID-19, it's been a tough year. One more tragedy heaped on another. The helicopter was privately owned. The Transportation Safety Board is trying to determine what went so wrong. Jerry Smith, the Canadian Press. Ontario is reporting 2,984 new cases of COVID-19 today, along with 25 new deaths related to the virus. Hospitalizations across the province remain high at 998 
down slightly from 1,003 recorded a day earlier. Provincial data suggests roughly a third of Ontario's 626 long-term care homes are dealing with outbreaks, with 19 more facilities reporting that they've been hit by the virus today. And weather and water conditions permitting, the search for five scallop fishermen missing for nearly three weeks is resuming today off the southwest coast of Nova Scotia. Yesterday's storm prevented teams from looking for the Chief William Solace, which sank in the Bay of Fundy early December 15th, with six crew members on board. Only one of the bodies has since been recovered. Police say a New Year's Day underwater search using remote-operated vehicles found no sign of the boat. On Saturday, the hashtag ResignKenny was trending on Twitter. This after the Premier did not lay out consequences for members of the United Conservative government who travelled abroad over the holidays. A spokesperson for the UCP confirmed Saturday that at least seven party members and staffers have recently travelled outside of Canada. And political analyst Janice, uh, Janet Brown tells Global News if more party members speak out on the travel controversy, it could become clearer if there is a divide within the party around the issue. We didn't hear a lot from the caucus members who didn't go away. And this is what happens to conservative governments. It's not elections that tend to bring them down. It's the caucus. It's the party members. You know, when do these caucus members who stayed home, who made those sacrifices, you know, when do they start speaking up? And, and what do they have to say about, you know, the premier and their colleagues who made different decisions? Kenny did say during his conference that he only now was going to issue a new clear directive to government officials not to travel internationally. Taking a look at sports, the semifinal matchups are set for this year's World Junior Hockey Championship. Canada will play Russia tomorrow while the Americans will play Finland in the other semifinal. The gold medal and bronze medal games will go ahead Tuesday. Global News, Sky Tracker weather. Today's high 4 degrees with a 30% chance of flurries. Tonight, clearing conditions with a low of minus 4. And tomorrow, a high of plus 2 with a mix of sun and cloud. And right now, it's 2 degrees at 10.05. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 10.30. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm just going to go to the phone line really quick, and then I do have Jen. She's uh, called in from her own little jungle at home, and uh, we're going to chat about uh, some tropical plant things that you can do. But first, I'm just going to go to Tom. He's been waiting patiently, and uh, we're going to chat with him real quick. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Uh, How can I help you? thinking in the spring here of planting some perennials, and I just like an idea of what you think I should plant. It's about a three by six area and it faces south and it's going to back onto a rock. So I'd like to try and keep uh, low perennials so that I still have the rock in the background. Yeah. And you can do lots like, and that's where you can get, yeah, it sounds like a nice hot, sunny spot. So you could do lots of the succulents and uh, a lot of the ground cover ones as well. Um, That would do really well for you. And if you want to add in just some accent, like the echinaceas, um, just to get that the cone flowers, um, they love that hot spot. And you can just have a couple of those. They go a little bit higher, but you can do a, just a nice little mixture. Uh, yucca would do well there as well, um, sort of give you that sort of desert look. And there's even some cactus 
that don't get very big that are quite hardy here that if you have a nice hot spot like that you could sort of create like a little uh looks like a little zero escape a little desert area in there which would look pretty cool okay excellent but the cactus if, if, if there's quite a bit of water that runs that area would the cactus still survive or no, they don't like it real wet. So I would probably, if I, if you with any of your plants, if it's fairly moist, um, but you kind of got two areas. Sounds like it's going to be quite warm, like lots of sun. But is it fairly? Does it stay wet? Is there a way it you can build the soil? To the, it slopes that way, so it's just a large uh, grassy area, and then that area in front of the rock is going to be open, right? Okay, so maybe when you create the area, maybe mound up some soil like bring in a bit of extra soil so you can mound up your plants so they're not sitting in water. Okay. And then that just opens up the the ability to grow a lot more in that same area. If it's real wet, it makes it tougher no matter what you're trying to grow. And stuff will just – it won't really flourish. It'll it'll do okay. But if you if you build up the soil, uh, mound, create a nice mound there, and then How you can grow a lot How high should that be approximately? I, I would go at least six, eight inches minimum sort of thing. Right. Okay, that makes good sense, right? Yeah, create a nice spot. They like, do that little bit of extra work at, be, before you plant, because then that way you're going to be set up for success. Well, that's what I wanted to hear. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Well, good luck happy with New that, Year. Tom. Okay. Yeah, happy New Year to you. And when you get going, just bring a picture in, and, and uh, Jen and her team will be down in the perennial house. You just go in and show them what you got, and they'll they'll definitely steer you in the right direction. Oh, excellent. Thanks again. All right. Thanks, Tom. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm going to go to the phone line. We're going to chat with Jen, and we're going to see what's going on. I know she's been off for a couple days, but uh, just can't wait to talk about plants. Good morning, Jen. (laughs) Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I love that. Just can't wait to talk about plants. It's so true, listening to your show, too, with um, just talking about seeds with um, the Jared that was on at the Vegetable Academy and and perennials now with Tom. I can't believe we're here now so I, with the outdoor stuff. Isn't it? it it's going to be and and this is where we have to as as garden center people we got to make sure we we space ourselves out <laughs> and make sure we're ready for each season coming at us and and making mm-hmm. sure we're ready for 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 all our our great customers and listeners that we're going to come in to spruce it up and uh, coming to pick up all their great things that they're going to need. But I think I'm going to sign up for that uh, gardening course with, with Jared. I'm kind of interested to to see what he's doing and uh, yeah. and, get, uh, and uh, learn a little bit. Because you never stop learning, and, and he has some gorgeous-looking plants. I don't know if you had a chance, but if you look at his website, if you get a chance, um, his gardens look phenomenal. So I'd uh, like to like to be able to see what he's got going and it he follows a lot of the same practices that we like to talk about so mm-hmm. i think it'll be it'll be interesting yeah so, that will be exciting when i'm looking on some of the websites and stuff right now jen like on the facebook groups and i i see a lot of plants that are not looking well so what, what kind of things can people do like like transplanting or cleaning i, I noticed you mm-hmm. uh you posted a picture on your Instagram of your little jungle at home. Looked like you spruced it all up there and made it all I nice did. and shiny. I did. That's part of my jungle. Yeah. Um, and Jessica has been teaching me where to kind of what to buy to put more plants on so I can have more of a jungle. But yeah, that one corner definitely <laughs> um, tidying things up. I think the most important thing that people can do over the winter specifically is to back off on their watering. 
Um, I know we've had a lot of phone calls about fungus gnats, and I think we've talked about those before, but they really thrive on that wet soil. They love that. That's what helps them keep going. So, um, and the plants just don't need the moisture as well right now. They tend to slow down with their growth and, um, that would be the first thing I would tell people is, is to, to back off on their watering. They don't need yeah, to water it's, it. It's much. easy to add water, then take it away. Mm-hmm. Like, Isn't just, that the truth? Yeah. Yep. Let it dry out a little bit. If it wilts a little bit here and there, it's it, it'll be fine. But if you get yeah. it too wet, it's really hard to bring them back from that because the roots start rotting away and it, it makes it a lot more difficult to... No, uh, yeah. So because what about transplanting? I know, um, I know you guys transplant a lot of plants for people, like when they come into the store, if they buy a new plant and a pot, you guys do free transplanting. So what do you, what do you, what do you recommend when someone, when, if they come in, like say an eight inch pot and it's root bound, like what size of pot or maybe give me a little bit of a, of what you guys recommend. Yeah, there's some guidelines. I, I typically tell people not to go a whole bunch bigger. So if I was in an eight inch pot, I wouldn't go larger than a 10 inch pot, for example, just depending because the pots are. You know, they sell pots basically on, on the regular sizes, right? Consistent yeah, 8, sizes. 10, 12 sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. And so and, and so for also the specific reason that they don't need the moisture um, in the soil, we don't want to we don't want to have root rot. And some plants love to be pot bound. So, yeah, um, yeah I would when we're transplanting, I, I just kind of bring it out and we, sh- we shake up those roots a little bit, give them a little massage and uh, maybe have a look at the soil, have a look at the roots to see how healthy they, they are and cut off anything that isn't healthy. And uh, plant them up and and get them ready to go. Yeah, get them to a nice potting soil. And the only mm-hmm. time really bigger pots is if you're dealing with a top-heavy type plant. Like if you're sure. dealing like with a big yucca that have those big heavy canes yeah. or some of the ones that can tip over. I find finding yourself a good sort of a lower, wider pot um, makes it uh, a little bit better f- beneficial for for those type of plants. No, it's true. That can be a challenge for sure with the the top heavy. I've got a couple of those myself, but it's always worth the effort. <laughs> I know. I got I to gotta bust out a, a philodendron that I got at home here. It's in a pot, but it's in one of those weird pots. It's like a vase where it, it starts out narrow, goes wide in the middle, then narrow back at the oh, top. Yeah. So the only and, – and if you notice, most of our new pots we buy, we very rarely bring those pots in because they are a bit of a pain – you know where and and i i just find that they all you can really do to get the plant out you have to bust the pot so now i'm i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to bust this pot that i've had for like 10 years but it has Uh this big split leaf in it that is probably gonna bust the pot itself if we don't transplant it soon so that happens too yeah, yeah. I'm going to try and get it out, but I think uh, looking at it, the only way I'm going to be able to get it is going to be laying out some a uh, uh, couple pieces of big cardboard, laying it flat down, and uh, get my little handy hammer and uh, give it a little break <laughs> and, uh, and break the break the monster out of there. But and but it, it's something that I I have to do. It's just it's it's oozing out of that pot, and it's very top heavy. Wow. Yeah. And if I don't, it, it'll it'll just end up tipping over. But those are the type of plants. So when you give them those new big pots, they just flourish like they yeah. just grow like crazy. And yeah. uh, so, and, and plants appreciate when you show them that little bit of tender, loving care. They, it's so true, 
Balmoral. And actually, when you, like you were saying, with the with the tender, loving care, even the dusting, I like to take a day a week and just kind of I gather my plants and in the smaller ones in particular, I can put them on my dining table and I just, I like to wipe them all off. And then, then it's a great chance to inspect them, you know, inspect for insects or inspect for dead growth somewhere or, or just to see how they're doing. And even with the sunlight too, right? If they're, they tend to kind of grow into the sunlight. So it's a great chance to see how they're growing and maybe turn them around so they can face the window as well so you get a more balanced plant absolutely and i and i mentioned that to to you and jessica and uh and jonah down there in the garden center at the spruce and the tropical house just you guys have have transformed it into a true tropical paradise and it's the tender loving care that you guys have given the plants it's really showing and and our and our and our well you see it too in the customers they come in they go holy cow this it's like a and they just walk around. It just it oozes uh, uh, love and nourishment, and it and it's it's just nice to see. But plants respond to that, and mm-hmm. and when they're showing the love, it's uh, it's they'll they're going to give it to you at home as well. But that's that is a big one. I had to, I dusted my uh, lemon tree off yesterday. I I think I might have some spider mites again, but a little bit of webbing. But I'm trying to just keep them at oh. bay. I'm just running my fingers through the new growth at the top, just trying to. Because I don't, I don't feel like laying out a big thing and spraying it right now in the house. But I might have to do that. I'll see. But yesterday I just did the finger rub on all the new growth, got rid mm-hmm. of all the, any webbing, and and then hopefully it doesn't come back. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely keep an eye on it. But that's sort of giving it that little bit of of massaging and and clean it up a bit, and uh, hopefully. Yeah. So, and I know you guys use the pure spray green a lot for when you're doing your cleaning too. You guys spray a little bit on a cloth and you. You, yeah. wipe the, you wipe your leaves down. It seems to work really well. It look, it's fantastic. Yeah, I was, I'm just laughing just because Jonah was fantastic. He took so much time to, to be with especially our individual small leaves. He would he cleaned them all up one by one. And, and uh, yeah, we spray a little bit of pure spray on there. And, and we, you know, we don't do it all the time simply because we don't want to be we don't want to be covering the plant every time with the pure spray. But it's a great preventative measure. And we definitely use it from time to time. Well, and yeah. Well, and it's better than the the insecticide soap because if you do mm-hmm. use the the pure spray green, you don't have to rinse it off. It can stay on there. It's yeah. a pharmaceutical grade mineral oil. You can spray it on and you can leave it rather than like the insecticidal soap. When you spray it on, you do need to rinse it off. You need to do all that. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's nice to be able to to use it like that when you when you clean your plants and it's it's also getting rid of any bugs and things like that. Maybe I'll have to do that with the lemon tree. I guess we don't have to <laughs> just think into that instead just using my fingers i'll have to get some little cloth gloves and and uh and give it a little spray and give it a little wipe down and but my lemon it, honestly it's been i stick it outside every um usually in june i stick it out on the patio and i leave it out there till september and wow. r- even right now I, I have six like full lemons ripe i let them totally ripen on the vine and they just hold there nicely so we use one sort of once a week for cooking or something like that but i still have six or seven full-size lemons on this like it's about two feet high just an awesome lemon tree that just just 
gives me lots of love and I, I give it the 30 10 10 and that seems to what the mm -hmm. citrus really like and it's just it hasn't lost its leaves like it normally does yeah. in the winter wow. time it, it's still full leafed out so I'm, I'm kind of impressed i'm waiting for it to do a bit of a shedding thing but it might not maybe i got the right cycle going where it seems <laughs> to be happy so who knows right with plants what, it's sort of what's your humidity like in your house tomorrow I got it, I, and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago on here. I, I had the furnace guy in to, and I think most people, they go down to their furnace room and they you pull open your humidifier and it's usually just calcified with our right. hard water. So I cleaned it all out, had it, had the humidifier guy came, the furnace guy came and did a maintenance and he had to change my uh, solenoids on it so the water would go through. And I got it actually up to about 40 to 42, 43%, okay. which is... It, it was dry. It was at 36, 34 when I first started. Yeah. So um, the humidifier is making a big difference. Um, and it's just getting the right balance so you're not using too much water. But it, it definitely makes a, a big difference in the house and and my throat. And personally, I just feel way better. I feel like I'm almost on vacation because like when you're away <laughs> in a nice tropical place, you you wake up and your throat feels fine compared to where Calgary you wake up and it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're choking to death because it's so dry. So anyways. yeah, and your plants probably love that too, right? They, I know I have extra humidity going on in my home right now too, and and uh, it really helps them out for sure. Absolutely. Hey, Jan, if you can just hang on one sec, I got a couple yeah. other things I want to chat with you about. Um, I'm just going to take a quick break and for a couple of commercials, and then uh, we'll come back and we'll chat a little bit about more tropical plants. If you'd like to call us, you can join. Uh, the phone lines are 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Welcome back to Lester Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm joined with Jen from the Tropical House. Um, welcome back, Jen. Thank you. Hey, and actually, I'm going to see if Liam can pull on Mariah. She has a question about her fig tree. Maybe we can help her out. Okay. All right. Welcome, Mariah. Hi, Hi there. How Hi. can I help you? Well, I have a fig tree. It's in a west facing window. It's in about a 12-inch pot. I've repotted it a couple of times over its 20-year lifespan. It does drop leaves regularly. It's sprawling, so I currently have it tied back with my drapes, and I'm trying to keep the leaves a little <laughs> more con contained, because unfortunately my house is old. The insulation is, is poor, like R4 in these plaster walls. It has to sit in front of event that puts yep. hot air out so when i listened to your show a couple of weeks ago i put a, a shell on top of its soil water in it a pot right beside it on the floor in front of the heat vent to try to increase the humidity i have zero and humidity in my house we gave up how on big that. of a pot do you have that in about 12 inch diameter okay. and okay. deep deep about the same 12 14 inches deep Okay. With a drain tray attached. I Does it seem top-heavy on that type of pot? Because a 20-year-old, I'm assuming it's fairly big, like you were saying. It just sounds like it might be a bit top-heavy, and that might be a tree that you might want to look at getting into a 20-inch pot, something that's a little bit wider, just a little bit more of a life pot that if you put it in there, it's going to be good for quite a long time. 
Uh, it is totally top heavy. Like it would take over a quarter of my living room if I didn't tie it back with the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Should I prune it? Um, yeah, I, I don't mind. Like if you, when, if you travel, hey, and Jen, and I'm, I'm assuming this is a ficus benjamina, like the, the small leaf, like the fig tree. I don't, I couldn't tell you. It's been too long since I bought it. But okay. the, the the biggest leaves are maybe an inch and a half long. They've got that long point at the very end, yep. the single spine. Yeah. So on those, um, I would definitely, if when you go, like when you travel into down in Mexico or different Southern America, wherever, and tropical areas, those get used as hedges. They get used in places. They can they can sustain fairly heavy pruning. So on a tree like that, I would look at it and try and center, find a center and try and visualize a nice round ball on it and then take a few of the branches out that are just shooting all over the place and try and get it retrained. And okay. if, if you can send me a picture, I can... Um, sort of do a little bit of a diagram on pruning for you. If you, if you can send me a picture of it, I can try and help you out with that a bit um, to going sure. forward with it. Um, but Jen, what else do you think they could do for, for a tree like that? If you had someone come into the garden center, what, what'd you, what would you tell them? Oh my gosh. Well, I, I would love to see a picture of that too. That sounds amazing. 20 years. Um, I think Merle, that that's absolutely the best advice actually with those guys. They're used to being trimmed. They can be trimmed and, that will help. That would be the first thing. And then with humidity, um, I would maybe, because you said I think it needs it has to be by event just because of where it is, but maybe you could get a, a direction flow, a cover kind of for the vent to, to get the air blowing elsewhere to help with that a little bit. Um, or a humidifier in the home, an extra humidifier, small one even near the plant to help right now over the winter. But it sounds like size is your biggest issue. So that would yep. be the one to tackle first. Yeah transplant and and prune it back and you should be good to go and and i got to go so i'm gonna actually let both you guys go thank you jen and thanks mariah i gotta go for commercials and news and all that other fun stuff so we'll talk soon you guys and uh and i'll be back for the other half hour of the show thanks for listening in so far on let's talk gardening on 770 chqr Partly cloudy and minus one in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 1030. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Alberta is reporting an estimated 400 new COVID-19 cases over the last 24 hours. Dr. Dina Hinshaw notes that only 8,100 tests were done on January 1st because of the holiday. Therefore, fewer tests were processed and reported. COVID-19 cases are down in Ontario today, a day after the province re reported a record high of 3,363 new infections. Health officials are confirming 2,964 new cases. The province has also recorded another 25 deaths. And a look at your weather today's high, 4 degrees with a 30% chance of flurries. Tonight clearing with a low of minus 4. Tomorrow high of plus 2 with a mix of sun and cloud. And right now it's minus one. Breaking news when it happens, our next scheduled news at 11. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. And I just got a great picture again from one of our listeners, Pat. He uh, 
he sends in some pictures and he calls in once in a while. Um, he calls this his plant corner. He has this huge monstera. Um, lavender that I mentioned last week. He has a clivia that's blooming orange. And we have ours just rebloomed again at the garden center as well. And his orchids are just doing great. Like that is a gorgeous plant corner and a nice little leather recliner where you can just sit back and uh, relax in your little jungle. But uh, love that monstera. The leaves are like, they look like they're about three feet um, wide and long. Just gorgeous. So nice work. And I'm going to go to the phone lines and we're going to go to Brian. I got two Brian's on the line, I believe. We're going to go to Brian number one. Good morning, Hi, Brian. Uh, Hi there. Day, Merle. How are you? Good, good. Good. How can I help you? Well, I've got a uh, an old Strathmore or an ornamental crab. At least that's what I think it is. And uh, okay. I need to I need to uh, cut it up a little bit. <laughs> I need to prune it. And okay. I, and I just want to know exactly when. I know it should be around January and February, and I'd like to know what the optimum time okay. is. Okay. Is it just really thick? Is it just uh, you just need a lot, remove a lot of deadwood, like crisscrossing branches, or yeah. what are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. Like when when it was young, I used to we we had a an electric mower, and I kept on whipping the top off of it. Now it's uh, it's it's an amazing looking tree. It's just a beautiful tree. Okay. And uh, I have to take some major bows off of it because they're just uh, they're they're in the way, you know. And, okay, and and, and I just put- be careful when you're doing that. Um, obviously, you don't want to leave stubs because with those old Strathmores and stuff, they're fairly susceptible to the fire blights when you open them up. If you're doing yeah, the, yeah. some heavy pruning, so you just mm-hmm. want to ensure. And when you're removing big branches, make sure you remove them in sort of sections. Like start out with the first two feet, then move, gradually work your way towards the trunk. Don't try and take yeah. the whole thing at once because it'll right. tear on you. Yeah, so right. I, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so you could do that pretty much. Yeah, like I said, once you get into February, March, you're fine. Even into okay. January with okay. this warmer weather, good. You're, you're good right. to go. Just, like I said, just really be careful. Take a look at it before you cut because once you cut it, um, it's, it's done on that part. So just just and really watch it. You do the collar pruning. Make sure so it can heal properly. I always worry yeah. when I see people well, pruning I always put the crab apples. Paint on it. Mm. Yeah, you don't. You don't really really use paint. Um, no. Again, uh, no. You just you, you, no. Yeah, you no. don't want to use tar either. You not no? on those. No, because you want to let it heal. When you do a proper prune, oh. you just want to let it. It'll just heal properly over top. We we never really. The only time I use it. Uh, we have this bark replacement called lac balsam. And uh-huh. the only time I use it is on tears, but a properly pruned tree, um, the branch and the tree trunk will just be able to heal over itself okay. and, and, and properly heal. So it's sometimes the tar causes more grief than it does well, because okay. what it does is it's just like if you have a wound and you put a Band-Aid on it, yeah. And then underneath there, if you never took that Band-Aid off, it's just going to rot underneath there. And that's oh. what happens with your tree. So it can never really heal properly. So oh, okay. if you just do the proper pruning, and then the tree will heal over, and you won't even notice it. So, oh, okay, again, perfect. yeah. Damn. So just, just just be careful on that. Make sure you have good, sharp tools, and okay. you should be good to go. The only thing you can really use, and what I'd maybe recommend, is uh, the copper spray. Um, just treat 
any of your big cuts with the copper spray just to ensure that the fire blade isn't out there and it'll just it sort of works yeah, like well, antibiotics. We had the, the oyster uh, oyster shell out here. Uh, they just it destroyed our our uh, uh, hedge, and I'm worried about it. My <laughs> worried yeah, about no, it. it it can get after those too. So pure spray green works well on the scale. Pure spray so green, okay. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, and a shout out to uh, you on your uh, your green it up fertilizer. It's the most wonderful stuff in the world. I'll tell you. Awesome. Thank you so really much for that. I'm glad glad it's you. working Thanks, for you. Merle. Have a great All right, day. Take care. You too. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Bye bye. All right, and where are we at for time? I think I'm just going to do a couple texts, and then I'm going to go to Brian number two, and then Dave after that, I believe. And I got. A question says, here's a question for either you or Jen. I've been reading on a gardening Facebook page that chamomile tea will help with bugs. Is there any truth to that? Happy New Year, Leslie. Um, I, I haven't used it, and I haven't really heard of that using. I think a lot of it is just the cleaning. Like when you use a tea on something, typically you put on, you're wiping it, and, and, and then you end up with good results. And I know people have used tea – for cleaning leaves as a leaf shine, things like that. Um, I don't think it's ever going to do any harm, but I'm not sure what it really does to the bugs. I haven't heard that. So to be honest, and I'll, I'll let you know, I'm saying Jen is still listening. If she's heard anything different, um, uh, we will definitely, uh, I'll let you know, but I think it, it's still good common practice to do that. Like dip it in some tea, give everything a wipe down. I think that's never going to hurt. So I think you'll be fine. And I'm going to take a quick break, and then when we get back, we'll hit the phone lines. And if you'd like to join me, we still have a few spots, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm going to go to the phone lines, and we're going to chat with Brian. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Merle. Hey, how are you? Very well, yourself. Good. Happy New Year to to you guys out there. Uh, just uh, they have a little place. This you and Riva, just east of Calgary. All kinds of critters and plants and trees and pretty much everything. It's a busy spot. And it's a beautiful day. Uh, absolutely. What so what's going on today? I'm, uh, I, I'm old for uh, seven years here, trying to grow like habaneros and Scotch bonnets. Yeah. And I've started, you know, obviously from seed. I think I started the first couple of years with seeds from you. And yep. we, we've got a little, you know, like that two-by-three greenhouse you put in front of a window, right? The plastic, yep. I mean, it's a cheap thing or whatever. But starting yep. from seed, we'll get a sprout. And then I've literally, I think, Reeve and I have got two hot peppers over the last seven years. Now, the Thai chilies and the red hots, I've never had a problem with. I'm just wondering what I'm doing wrong here. And you're... What do you typically put them into? Like, you know, you seed them and you got yeah, them in the... Yeah, we them in those little, uh, whatever, they look like, a, you know, like a toonie, right? Yeah, yeah, the Jiffy and 7 then, sort of things. Yeah, and then, you know, put them in there so you got the humidity and the moisture. We put them at that east-facing window because, I mean, that, you know, almost yeah. a quarter of our kitchen is the glass, right? Yeah. And then when they get tall, I'll move them outside, and I'm wondering if that's the wrong thing to do. Um, At what time of year are you moving them out? 
Is that typically like, around June? Like, I mean, we yeah. start them, and maybe I'm starting them too early, or maybe I'm starting too late. That's like just like we like. Do they feel leggy? Like, do they feel like leggy when you like? When do you usually start them? Um, usually, I'd say probably end of March, start of April, like inside. See, like, and, I know and that should be. F- that should be fine. And if your other ones are doing good, the only thing I can say is is ensuring that they get really like just a really good quality potting soil. And they do like a clay pot rather than a plastic pot. I don't know if that's um, at yeah, all. Yeah, that's kind of what we. Well, and I got to be honest because I cheated because the red hots and the ties we already bought and hang you know, in the big basket, right? Yeah. Okay. You know what I yeah, mean? So, these are the first ones we've got. Honestly, God, like seven years. We've having, I think we've got two habaneros and none of the other ones we've tried. Yeah, because actually, uh, Dwight, he's another one of our listeners. He just sent in some pictures. He's growing in his right now under grow lights, and he's having really good success. Um, okay. So maybe maybe try them inside. Just grow them like a houseplant underneath a grow light and start them a little bit earlier now. Um, and I just find just putting them into the right size pot, like a four to six inch pot after they come up in the Jiffy sevens or even okay. try without the Jiffy sevens. Cause sometimes those hold too much moisture. I find with certain plants and it okay. almost, they kind of rot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that and might make more sense. Cause I mean, we've never had a problem with the tomatoes cause we always start ours in before we take them out. Right. Yeah. So maybe just start your peppers just in regular, like just to put them in a seed tray and start a few in there first rather than – or right into a pot and okay. just start them there rather than the Jiffy 7 because sometimes those hold a lot of moisture and it could cause some rotting out later on. Yeah, because I've never even seen more than like two or three flowers, right? Yeah. It just – sometimes, know. like I said, they have a hard time getting their roots out of that little bag like okay. that uh, – does, if that makes sense, and, and I think that could be affecting uh, that on your pepper. It sounds like it to me, and it's good for me to hear that too. So if I'm recommending for people, you need a little bit more aggressive plant sometimes to bust out of those Jiffy 7s. Like the right. tomatoes would have no issue and a lot of your some of your annuals. And stuff. But a, a pepper is a little bit more um, – uh, delicate or a little bit more finicky grower. It takes a bit more to to get it going. And I, I just think if you suffocate the root like that, I think that might be a bit of the problem there, Brian. So All right. Well, thank you for that because, uh, I mean, we enjoy it and uh, appreciate it. Yeah, no, give that a try and keep me posted. I will, for sure. All right. All the best to you guys. Take care. Yeah. All right. Take care. All right. And I did get a a nice text here. And it's it's not to do with me or anything. It's just she received this thing as a gift, and it's one of the waterless amaryllis. And it says, says, "How do I finish? How do I save the bulb after it finishes?" And this is uh, Debbie down in Lethbridge. Gorgeous thing. She's getting two big blooms coming out of it. She has four on top. It looks like, and then another stalk is coming up. So she's going to be blooming for a couple more weeks at least. So really, what you want to do is with those to save them. What I'd almost do, as soon as it's done blooming, you might want to just let it put into a pot of soil, bury about the bottom third of it, and let it grow like a house plant for a while. It'll send out a bunch of leaves. And then just let it grow for a month or so, two months, and then just stop watering it. And then it'll slowly die back and go into itself. And then you can just store that bulb for 
like I said, for a couple, two or three months or whatever you want for until Christmas, until November or something next year and bring it back out, store it in a cool, dark place. But when you put it in the soil, again, it's important to feed it with like a 15, 30, 15. You want to feed it with a higher middle number. So that way it's going to get um, the phosphate it needs to re replenish up the bulb so it has the 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 trace nutrients to rebloom again for next year so give that a try and hopefully that works for you and i got one more here where am i at here oh no this one i was waiting for a picture to come through it didn't come through again um and it just says you mentioned a spray for oyster scale was that again also spraying for scale what you want to use is is pure spray green and that works quite well and you want to do it when they're usually it's about the last week in june first couple of weeks in july is when they're they're still a bug they haven't landed and created that shell if they get really heavy scale on there you need to use a pressure washer or like a soft terry cloth and you mix that with uh with your pure spray green and you just sort of wipe your branching down from there and i'm going to take a quick break you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm going to go to the phone lines, and we're going to chat with Dave. Good morning, Dave. Yeah, I've got uh, some problems with my potatoes last year. Uh, okay. I don't know if it's a watering problem, but uh, it was quite dry, so I watered them real good. And then what happens? I got a real heavy rain after that. But okay. They're sort of what a were they doing? Purple variety, and uh, they split very deeply into the potatoes. Like there'd be three or four splits, maybe three quarters of an inch deep and about a half inch wide. But they're a real good <laughs> eating potato, and. Uh, I just wondered if that would bother any of the seed, if it's uh, just a watering problem or something else. It, it's, it sounds like it could be, but I'm just wondering, um, do, do you rotate the, the crop? From one like, spot to the other, like in the garden? Yeah. Yeah, I have been. Okay. Yeah, it's usually... Um, when we just, yeah, it's usually a change in in water, like is yeah, excessive rain, things like that. Tip will make them crack like that. So it sounds like maybe just bad timing, unfortunately, with your with your heavy watering and then the rain hitting right after. Just sort of a uh, bad timing, unfortunately. Yeah, that's about the only thing I could think of, but uh, it, it's not a disease that uh, like the seed. No, all right. No. And are you typically buying, like, seed potatoes? Well, I actually got these from a friend of mine. He said they're real good eating potato, and they are, but it's just uh, the first year I've had them, and I had these split. I've never had that. Yeah. For the most part, you should be fine. But typically, if you you are starting, like, with a good certified seed potato, uh, a lot of times you you can get rid of a lot of those problems. But that one doesn't sound like that was it. It sounds like you're just just a victim of bad bad – timing right you got the heavy rain and then right after you had watered uh just uh gives them a little bit too much of what they're looking for so yeah and also on i have some tomatoes they after they got maybe inch and a half two inches across they get a black spot on the bottom yeah that's from blossom end rot so that's from lack of calcium so we have a 
fertilizer that you can use. You can get a calcium supplement, but we also have this tomato supplement. It's in a yellow sort of a tubular can, and it adds the right nutrients into the soil. And that'll happen on your medium to larger tomatoes. You won't get that on cherry tomatoes. Yeah. Is it so, like bone meal will help that? No, it doesn't have the calcium. You need a calcium supplement. Most of the tomato fertilizers have, like the good quality tomato fertilizers, have a, just look for a calcium supplement if you're growing the bigger tomatoes right. so you don't get that blossom end rot. Or we have one that is a fertilizer specifically for that if you're growing the bigger tomatoes. Uh, like, I, I, I never really grow the big ones. I always grow cherries, so I don't have that issue. Well, but, that's, I had some of those too, and they didn't, it didn't bother them. Yeah, they don't get it for whatever reason. Yeah. It's just when you get to the bigger ones, it just it's a lack of calcium in their soil, and uh, then you get that blossom end rot. So, yeah. but we we definitely have the solutions for you on that. If you're going to grow the bigger ones, just ensure that you're using uh, a calcium supplement in your fertilizer or a fertilizer with the calcium in it. Okay, fine then. Thank you. All right. Good luck with that, and uh, hopefully you have better potatoes next year. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, Dave. Bye-bye. All right. And I got quite a few texts. I'm going to go through a couple here for the last couple minutes of the show. And uh, I got a text here, and it's a picture of a syngonium. And it's sort of, I guess they're also called an arrow leaf plant. There's a few different common names. And it says, says, any idea why am I getting mold or furry on the top of my soil? It's new potting soil. I let the plant dry completely before watering and because of the soil flies. Um, I just think if you are getting the mold, and depending on what type of potting soil, it just it looks like it's just a little bit wet. And ensuring that that pot has drainage holes as well, if the water just sits in it, I, I, just, I think you need to just let it dry a bit more in between waterings because that's typically, it's just from um, organic matter staying too wet. And so what you can do is just aerate the top of the soil, just run... If you have like a fork or a set of chopsticks or something, just run it around the top of the soil to aerate your, your soil that way, and it'll help. And just ensure that you just let it dry out even more than what you have. Because it looks like it's kept a little bit too wet, and just ensure that you have drainage holes on the bottom of that just so you, uh, you can do that. And uh, here, oh, hey, Merle, Happy New Year from Kelly. Hey, happy new year to you as well. Thank you so much and happy new year to everybody. Hopefully um, we can go on. But I think overall, like in the gardening world, it was a it was a good season. It brought a lot of people in on the planting and, and gardening. So hopefully uh, hopefully we continue with that. And But hopefully we get to go out a little bit more as well. So here's one. I got a text regarding the chamomile tea. It says, Merle, chamomile tea is good at preventing damping off. I use double strength on seedlings and that's from pauline thank you pauline for that i appreciate that so there's uh there's something you can use and we used to have a product called damp off um which is no longer on the on the market but we do have a product that you can use if you don't want to use chamomile tea you can give that a try um it's within the dirt and grow and it's a seedling starter and it's uh it's from the same guys as the rage plus and that builds up the, the outer uh, membrane of your branching of your new seedlings makes them nice and strong and helps prevent that damping off. But 
I'm at the end of the show already. I can't believe that went by quick. First show of 2021. Happy New Year to everybody, and let's stay safe and uh, keep doing what we need to do. Till next week, we'll get our garden on right here on 770 CHQR. It's partly cloudy and minus one in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. The province of Alberta is reporting an estimated 400 new COVID-19 cases over the last 24 hours. There were 8,100 lab tests done. These results show a 5% test positivity rate. Dr. Dina Hinshaw reported that hospitalizations and ICU admissions are stable. Hinshaw also notes that because fewer people were tested on New Year's Day, therefore fewer tests were processed and reported on January 2nd.